You're listening to In Conversation from the Educational Freedom Institute. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out to the Educational Freedom Institute podcast. We have a very special guest today. Of course, we have uh, co-founder of the Educational Freedom Institute, Matthew Nielsen, and myself, uh, Corey DeAngelis, Executive Director at the Educational Freedom Institute. Uh, But today we also have Andy Polak, uh, who is a staunch school safety advocate in the United States um, and a co-author of a recent book with one of our friends, actually, uh, Max Eden, um, this book called uh, Why Meadow Died, The People and Policies That Created uh, the Parkland Shooter and Endangers uh, America's Students. I recommend everybody uh, go check that out. Uh, but Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, and I'm always it's always my pleasure where I could, you know, help educate parents into what's going on uh, in the education system. So thanks for having me and let's educate some parents. Cool. Yes. So for our listeners, could you just give us a, a brief uh, recap for people who are unfamiliar with your background and how you got into the education debate uh, recently. Another thing for the uh, the listeners, Andy was also one of the uh, main speakers at the Republican uh, National Convention uh, earlier uh, this year as well. Uh, but yeah, could you give us some of that background um, and information as to, to why you're su- uh, such a big advocate for school safety? Sure. Uh, well, I never was into politics or, or advocating anything. Uh, until what happened to me February 14th of 2018, my beautiful daughter Meadow was murdered in Parkland uh, High School in Broward County. Uh, so but after that happened, you know, my, my life, my family's life's never been the same. Uh, it, it, it's something you just have to learn to live with, uh, losing a child. Uh, not, I hate saying losing because I, I, ne- I didn't lose her. She was murdered. Uh, I got to correct myself. So... After that happened, I wanted to know how it could happen, like what was going on, at, if there was anything going on at the school. Uh, you know, what happened? How could I let my daughter go to a school uh, and then never see her again? You know, most people uh, jumped, uh, 97% of the people jumped on uh, blaming uh, the, the, the gun, you know, uh, going after our Second Amendment rights. And uh, I, I would have if that was the truth of what happened, the facts. I just didn't want to listen to anyone. I wanted, I did my own investigation uh, with your, with a with a friend of yours, Max Eden uh, from the Manhattan Institute. He had met me down in Parkland, and when he came and interviewed me, I, I showed, I started showing Max all these people that were reaching out to me about the killer, about. They knew he was going to be the killer. He threatened to rape students. He threatened to kill students. And I and so Max started looking into this uh, these allegations, and, and they were true. And it, he was just going to write an article about it. But there was so much, so many failures and policies that we had to look into that it became a book. And I urge every parent to go out and read it, uh, Why Meadow Died. It, it really shows the truth of what happened in Parkland. And I talk about these policies in the public school system that were pioneered in Broward County from a superintendent that came from Chicago, from the public school system of Chicago, linked to uh, Arnie Duncan, uh, then the President Obama. And he pioneered these type of policies 
uh, in Broward that was, they called it restorative justice and the school to prison pipeline. And, and this is just through my investigation, I found this out that while this murderer was in school, all students were allowed in the public school system at least four misdemeanors per school year without ever getting introduced to law enforcement or having any repercussions. So they could assault a teacher, they could sell drugs, assault another student, you know, steal an iPhone and never have, you know, they put them in a healing circle uh, in, in a program where they'd watch videos and they try and educate them through it, uh, you know, watching videos and putting them in healing circles. And, and this doesn't work, which we found out in Parkland uh, and across the whole country, uh, how teachers are getting assaulted more than ever right now. It's an epidemic that's going on in, in, in the country of teachers getting assaulted. And this is what happens when uh, you introduce these type of policies of not holding children accountable. Uh, and that's what I, you know, one of the things I found out uh, through this policy uh, and President Trump, when I brought this to his attention, he actually listened and he opened up a federal school safety commission where he looked into these policies and he rescinded them because they hurt children. They, they set children up, regardless of color, up for failure. Okay, that's what it does in the public school system. And I'm happy to say thousands of parents have realized this in Broward County and removed their children from the public school system, thousands. And what, what what's interesting, uh, which I wouldn't, a lot of people don't know this, in Broward County, there's school districts running at 30, 35% uh, capacity. And they won't close them because they know right behind that is a charter school that wants mm. to open up where there's a failing public school. And then they would lose thousands more uh, to the charter school system. And parents don't know that. And it's monopoly money to these school districts to keep a failing school open. It's not their money. And they'll keep it no matter how, whatever it costs them, uh, regardless of their occupancy, they don't close these schools because the, because the threat of a charter school taking it over and then losing thousands more, uh, they, they don't close them. And most parents don't realize that. Yeah, what's interesting to me is um, when you ask parents that are using charter schools or private school choice programs why they choose one particular school over another, they list things like academics. But when, when you rank order these things, safety is consistently at the top of the list. So families are really seeking out uh, these types of alternatives, I think, because of the different cultures at the school, but then also different safety policies and discipline policies at the schools uh, as well. I think in Florida, there's also there's also a school choice program that's particularly for students who do not feel safe in the public school system. I believe it's called the Hope Scholarship Program. So uh, what are your thoughts on these kinds of programs like the Hope Scholarship Program as an alternative to the public schools when it comes to safety? And then are there other um, types of initiatives that you support uh, to, to, to make the traditional public schools safer as well? Now, what are your thoughts on both? Um, competition breeds excellence. And I think that, uh, you know, I witnessed it with these public schools, who's running them. I really don't agree with most of the people running these uh, public schools and their teachers unions. But uh, that's one of the reasons uh, Governor DeSantis won in Florida. Okay. Uh, thousands 
percentage of African Americans uh, voted for DeSantis because of that pro-choice. No parent should be forced to send their child to a failing public school. Uh, they should have the choice uh, for charter school, or you know, or private. Or uh, you know, I, I'm for all getting tax credits and going to whatever school you want. And and why it means so much to me, you know. And, and you could, you'll know more about this. I'm not an expert in, pol in education policy, but a thing that bothers me with the public schools and charter schools. Uh, tell me if I'm I'm saying something right, or you could help educate me. With with the public schools, they have they take these kids that are emotionally disturbed, uh, oppositional defiant disorder. They they diagnose them with. And they put them in uh, and they label them special needs and and they're violent, these children. And parents don't know this in the public school systems. They think of uh, special needs as dyslexia, cerebral palsy, some type of learning disability. But they wouldn't think that a kid violent and emotionally disturbed is in the, in the school with his children in with their children. But it's the truth. Uh, he he had the murderer had that at my school, at my daughter's school. And it almost makes them untouchable in the public school system. And when I was speaking with a uh, teacher, because at a, I, I put my software in one of the big charter schools in um, in Florida, and I asked her, and they say they have a way. Uh, it's easier for them to get rid of a student diagnosed with that than it is a public school. Uh, and, and maybe you you could tell me uh, what's your thoughts on that and. Maybe you could talk to your listeners about that oppositional defiant disorder, how these children diagnosed with that are in the public school system mingling with your children, and they're seriously violent. Yeah, I think one of the things that was mentioned in your book with Max Eden was that uh, the uh, disparate impact uh, or you know, d disparities of uh, between different categories of students and trying to close those disparities could lead to unintended consequences uh, because one of those groups would, it, it happens to be students that are classified as having a special need. But uh, one of the main quotes uh, from your book was that um, uh, when it comes to students that are classified because of behavioral issues, the logic of this is to, is to punish or discipline students uh, that are misbehaving at the same rate as students that are not misbehaving, which makes no sense at all. Um, and, and another thing in the traditional public, public school sector, which could also be the case in other sectors as well, is that schools have a financial incentive of classifying students of, as having a special need because they get more money in many states if the student is classified as having a special need. Um, so this could be one of those unintended consequences of many of these policies uh, interacting with, with one another. And in some in, cases, in, a lot more, like a lot more funding. In Sarasota County, uh, it just came out because my friend uh, is a school board member there, uh, Bridget Siegler. Uh, it just came out that they were, lab they were taking kids that were failing in the public schools and labeling them special needs. And, uh, you know, they were just failing students that had learning disabilities and they shouldn't have been, and they put them in special needs and collected all that money and got them graduated, putting them through these programs. And they actually just got, into, they got in a lot of, they got in trouble that the Department of Education is all over them in Sarasota County. So parents, you know, 
I'm telling you know I'm I'm very uh, biased towards public schools now after I saw what happened to me, and parents always they're always writing me, telling me about incidents in public schools. And you know what? I don't even want to hear it anymore when parents write me about the public schools because I you know between my book and everywhere I've been, I tell parents I would sell my kidney to be able to afford to put my child in alternative school, homeschool, charter school, private school, mm. anything to get them out of that. It's, you know, most likely your child's not going to get murdered like my daughter, but you're subjecting them to a, an unsafe environment with these type of emotionally disturbed children, with children being able to commit multiple uh, misdemeanors in school without any repercussions. And even in Broward, they after my daughter was murdered and we came out with all these findings, uh, you know, the, the president did a, a, a commission, uh, Governor Scott at the time opened the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Commission to look into the failures. And all these failures came out, but you, yet in Broward, where there, these bureaucrats, these unethical bureaucrats are running the school district with a $4.8 billion budget, they still practice these policies, if you can believe it. And, and there's no get through to them. So the only way to get through to these people is get through to the parents and do, you know, that's why I support you with your charter schools at, at, with this alternative uh, learning, you know, for children. It's so important to have them. Yeah. And, and I think what you said earlier was correct that uh, charter schools and private schools in general have more flexibility over their discipline standards in their schools and just their overall um uh, how they run their schools, they have more flexibility to create the environments that lead to better school cultures, which could lead, lead to a reduction in, in safety issues in their schools. I want to ask you um, a couple of things that uh, the other side might say uh, against this and what, what your response is. So, for example, the other side might just say, uh, well, Andy, if we just out, if we just ban guns, this will fix the problem. That's one thing that is said by the other side. And then the other thing is, well, our public schools aren't unsafe because of the policies. It's not because of um, uh, the culture of the schools and because people don't choose to be there. And, and it's not because that, uh, you know, the environment isn't conducive to learning. It's because they just don't have enough money. Uh, we just need to to spend $50,000 per child per year in the public school system, and then it'll just magically be safe. So what, is, what are your responses to those two? I'll, get, I'll answer the second one first because it's fresher in my brain. So Broward County, $4.8 billion uh, budget. But what happens is with these school districts, I don't – half of these – like the school board. I'm not saying every school board member, but where is their credentials – that they know how to run a $4.8 billion budget uh, just because you run because you're popular and you run and you're a member of the school board. Where is your credentials that you know how to budget a business of $4.8 billion, like in Broward? They, they, it's so mismanaged, you you, wouldn't, you couldn't believe it, man. It, that, that's how mismanaged it is in Broward County uh, with their budgets, with their construction. You know, you got a superintendent who's never ran a business in his life, okay? Now you're going to put him in charge and then a school board that that never ran. They couldn't run a lemonade shop, half of them. And I'm not making fun of lemonade stands, but that's the problem. You know what I'm saying? Would you hire 
Would you hire one of these school board members who's getting whatever they make, $30,000, I don't know what they make, to run a $4.8 billion company if you had a company that was for bringing in $4.8 billion in sales? Would you just want some nice person from a community, you know, just run, oh, she's nice, let's just pick her. She makes, you know, and pay a thirty grand to run your company. And that's what, you know, uh, that's what goes on in the public schools. Uh, what I've seen, you know, I can't speak for all of them, but I, I would imagine that most of these school board members have no business background. And the same thing as these superintendents, you know, it's monopoly money to them. Oh, we'll, we'll just build, you know, they're not capable. I, I don't think so. What do you think? You you know more about what's going on. I only, I'm only familiar with Broward. I think there's two other things uh, that, that come to mind is that, you know, one is that they might not have an incentive to spend the money wisely. You know, they, they might, uh, it might be a competency thing for one, but secondly, it could be that uh, if you don't have school choice, well, then the public schools might not have a particularly strong incentive to spend that money on making the school a really great place. They may spend it on administrative blow and just getting more jobs for people instead of solving the, the root uh, of the problem. So you can throw more money into a system, but if it doesn't have strong incentives to spend that money wisely, you shouldn't expect different results. And then my other thing is the regulation thing. It could be that the public schools just have so much regulations that even if they're meaning, if they're well-meaning and even if they're smart and even if they have enough money, they may not be able to, they may have their hands tied. They may not be able to make the decisions that, that they would like in order to, to improve the school too. So those are just a couple of we go back to competition with charter schools. You know what I mean? You're going to, if they have a competitive charter school and they're losing uh, students, maybe they'd spend their money in the right places where it would, where it would uh, benefit our children rather than just wasting it on some turf field or uh, on dirt or whatever happens on blacktop uh, contracts, which like what went on in Broward with all the mismanaged spending. But in, you know what's sick in Broward? Uh, they just ask for more money. You know, they just have another bond referendum and they just get another 800 million or another 25 million. You know, they, I don't get it. You know what I mean? But, but I witnessed it firsthand and it, usually the money doesn't get allocated to where they say it's going to go. But that's well, why charter school and competition, you know, it's like any business, you know, uh, if you open one business on one corner and you have another business on the other corner, you know, you're going to have competition and you're going to, your business, you're going to want it looking the best. You're going to want to have the best product. Uh, and, and that's, the, that's why charter schools are so important given alternative. So what are, yeah, I agree. I And that would back to your earlier point, Andy, you were talking about um, a lot of people pulling their kids out of public schools and whatnot. That's the beauty of choice. And it like in Florida where you guys have a ton of choice, families can pick, a different spot. And especially with uh, programs like the Hope Scholarship and Opportunity Scholarships, things like that, where families can take their kids somewhere else where maybe under normal circumstances, they wouldn't be able to afford private school X, you know, they, they can take their kid there with a scholarship. So that's a, a really nice thing about Florida in particular. Right. But um, I have a question for you. You you said you installed, you had a, one of your schools that you've been talking to um, installed your software. Tell us about that. What are you working on? Uh, it's pretty amazing, uh, this software uh, 
schoolsafetygrant.org. I urge any uh, person in education or law enforcement or parents. Uh, what I did was I focused uh, after my daughter was murdered. Uh, uh, I went and we, I wanted to dissect all the failures, and there was a lot of failures. And I met with a, a company, and there was lots, but I wanted to really come up with solutions. And this, we addressed multiple failures and put it into a software that we're giving away to law enforcement and, and, and to educate and to schools. So what it does is it links law enforcement to a school uh, within seconds. No matter, regardless of the camera system that the school has, any the, the responding law enforcement could tie into those cameras within seconds. It gives them access to the door locking mechanisms. It gives them access to the PA system. So within seconds, the dispatcher could be talking to anybody in a school, telling them uh, which way to exit or to stay in place. Or, you know, better yet, we're working on, we could talk to the shooter and most of the time, shooters uh, commit suicide or surrender. So within seconds, uh, a sheriff in the dispatch could be talking to a shooter. And another thing that we've done is we're able to silence the fire alarms. My daughter was murdered on the third floor. Uh, the teacher thought it was a good idea to put my daughter in the hallway. After 90 rounds went off, you know, deafening rounds, but she heard the fire alarm go off. So she put my daughter into the hallway where she was shot nine times. So, so we addressed that in my software too. We're able to silence it from dispatch. The dispatch sees it's not a fire, it's a shooter. They're able to silence it and tell the kids and the teachers what's going on, go back into your classroom or exit through a different hallway, which is, which is very important. Mm -hmm. Another big, uh, another big uh, what we worked on is mapping. Uh, a lot of times uh, in dispatch, uh, when the dispatch is looking at a monitor, they're looking at like 20 cameras on a monitor. And it's impossible to know exactly where in the building that exact camera is because, you know, a dispatcher can't know every single building in, in, in the county. So we have a mapping system that goes along with the cameras. So uh, if, if the dispatcher mouses on one camera, it blinks on another camera showing them exactly where they are in the building so if, if respond, first responders are you know at a building the dispatcher could tell them go down this hallway up those steps and get pinpoint them right to that area where something's going on and and we've installed this we're installing it throughout the country now in different schools and police departments and it, not only is, does it shave seconds off response but minutes you know, seconds save lives, minutes save more lives. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty incredible to be a part of it. And of course, I have more success working with pri in the private sector and the charter schools uh, throughout the country. Uh, you know, public schools are coming around, but there's a lot of bureaucracy that goes with dealing with public schools. And well, a lot what? of them, a lot of them don't put uh, their children's safety on the top of the list. Well, what's interesting is in general especially if we're looking at charter schools, the traditional public schools tend to get more money than the charter schools. So they have more resources to spend on this kind of stuff. My latest study with Dr. Patrick Wolf at the University of Arkansas, we looked at places all across the country, especially in major uh, urban cities, the charter schools got about two thirds of the amount of money 
per student as the traditional public school. So do you have like uh, kind of a sense of, and I was going to ask you this, as I'm glad you addressed it, that you're, you're seeing more success with the private sector. Are you including charter schools with that too? Do you yeah, have charter schools. Like, is like how much more likely uh, in particular are, are the charter schools? I don't have this the, the statistics, but it's just like it's less bureaucracy dealing with the charter schools than some of the big public schools. But my point is, you know, for me, I'll deal with any school. It doesn't matter. I just want the kids safer. So public schools, I, I, I'd love to deal with them. But my business philosophy is uh, I, I'm going to work with these charter schools and the private schools. And then parents from the public schools are going to say, well, why is the kids safer at the charter school and the private schools? And they'll put the parents need to pressure these public schools uh, or else it'll never happen. So really, you know, it's all about local government governing and parents getting involved in the community. And you know, mm -hmm. if you want to put your child in a charter school, hey, I'm all for charter schools and for private but public yeah, that's a, still that's, need some pressure, but we're breaking into them. That's mm -hmm. a good point that, um, you know, the, the public, the traditional public schools can do this too, um, but there might just be a lot of bureaucracy. So, I mean, one of, one of the things that could help with this, one is competition, obviously, which we've hit on, but then also on the other end of the token, sometimes even when you have competition, you can't do something even if you want to do it. I mean, so I, another thing that I think um, – this could lead to is the, is the public schools pushing for deregulation. And so they don't have as much uh, red tape and their hands won't be as, as, as tied going forward, but the competition kind of leads to that kind of incentive to, to push for that deregulation. So, you know, hopefully going forward, we see this benefit all the sectors, private, why is it, charter, public. Why is it that the public schools are getting more money than the charters? Like uh, I heard you say that. But That's just the fake. Uh, well, you, you, you teacher question right there. Unions and other uh, special interests. Yeah, I'd like to, to give me the answer to that one. And they they push to defund their competition. This doesn't mean that they're evil people or anything. It's just they're trying to protect their business. And one way that they do that is to push for less funding in other sectors. Um, so, and then another thing is to get these kind of uh, laws passed for charter schools and and voucher programs is one of the deals that is made to make it politically feasible is to give people less money if they leave the traditional public schools to disincentivize them from leaving the traditional public schools. So it's just all politics. Uh, I think um, Matthew and I in particular would say people, should, you know, a child should get the same amount of money regardless of where they're getting an education. If that's a traditional public school or a charter school or a private school, they should get at least a, you know about the same amount of money. They shouldn't be valued less just because, you know, they their their regular public school didn't work for them. Mm -hmm. and, and do you see is there a difference by state by state with the who's running the state between Republicans and Democrats? I haven't. Are you looked, seeing more I haven't, pushback? I haven't looked at party, but if you look at, you know, places like. Um, if you look at D.C., for example, the the, uh, the, the traditional public schools get uh, like over thirty thousand dollars per child, and then the charges get about twenty thousand dollars, so they get, they get a third less. Um, and you see similar trends in other big uh, cities, at least. Most of the places that I've looked at happen to be 
um, I believe, more Democratic-controlled areas. But that doesn't mean uh, – I, I just don't know what the Republican-controlled areas look like as far as funding disparities. Although in Texas, yes. a couple of places that we looked at, which happened to be more red than places like uh, D.C., the funding was more equitable between the charter schools and the traditional schools. So that's some evidence that's not – and then you get these teachers' union, teachers' unions, who are supporting. They're, they're definitely against the charter schools, the teachers' unions, and they endorse. You know, they get to endorse these uh, candidates that are uh, anti-charter school. You know, and, and they're a big factor in, in, in these smaller elections. You know, because I ran up against it in Broward when you have teachers' union out there at every polling station, ten of them with a with a card you know, uh, with a voter card, uh, putting in candidates that are anti-charter uh, schools, because they definitely, you, you probably run in that across the country. You're not getting any, you know, love from any teachers' unions, right? <laughs> you know, what, what's interesting here is that you bring up politics, right? Um, w Matthew and I were just talking about this earlier on a phone call, but uh, Biden's national policy director in an interview recently said that, if an under if a if a charter school is underperforming, they're going to take away federal funding from charter schools. And a little bit later in the same interview, the same policy director for the Biden administration said that for underperforming traditional public schools, they just they just need more money. We're going to give them more money. So for charter That's schools to already get less money, they're going to defund them, uh, according to the pol the national policy director. But then for the regular public schools that already do get more money, if they're failing, well, they just, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting um, difference in outlook. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, maybe you're aware about this. Uh, Joe Biden is going to reintroduce those policies that the president rescinded uh, to end the school to prison pipeline uh, that the president ended. Uh, it's on Joe Biden's uh, website that he's going to reintroduce those policies of, uh, mm. you know, not holding kids accountable. And he might even, like, when when it started, the school's got federal funding to participate. A colleague letter. Uh, school, public schools got federal funding to participate in these policies uh, mm -hmm. uh, with these kids, with these troubled kids. And you know what? I, I want anyone not to get, get me wrong. Every kid needs the you know needs accountability regardless of color and they need to be put in a program that works these programs don't help these kids when you don't hold them accountable you set them up for failure kids need accountability the right programs could be in place to help them but the the way they've done it uh with this restorative justice programs with these healing circles it's just not cutting it it, it doesn't work and, and these kids are committing felonies when, when they're in their 20s because all this Sudden, uh, there's no uh, promise program or healing circles. Now they're going to put him in. You know, they're going to put him in jail. So, and Biden already said it. He's going to reintroduce these policies, and parents should know that. You know, you better start looking at these options. Uh, you know, charter schools a great option, and you can talk to charter schools about these restorative justice programs that you're getting away from. Talk to the schools and see how they're going to handle it. It's a good point. I have uh, I have just one more question for you, Andy, and then I'm good. But uh, and Corey may have more. But I have a question for you. I'm sure you've worked with um, 
legislators around the country, probably in Florida at the state level, which is really where a lot of this uh, comes down. The one you just mentioned, that Dear Colleague letter, obviously that's a federal thing. There are federal programs that states have to deal with, but a lot of what charter schools deal with, what the traditional public schools deal with, and, and a lot of their rules and regulations are determined at the state level. And I know you've talked to him, you must have. So I'm curious for any legislators around the country that might be listening to this conversation, what would Andy Pollack tell them? They're, they want to know about school safety. They want to do better uh, at, at the legislature where they're setting rules and regulations for all publicly funded schools, charter schools and traditional public schools in the state. What does Andy Pollack want them to know? Uh, I would tell them that you really, I don't even know, you know, if they have jurisdiction over the local school boards, you know what I mean? Uh, they do because I passed the bill in Florida and they, they have to comply, you know, so it comes down to locally, but they need to put pressure on these school boards. They need to sit down and put the right legislation in order to hold this local school boards accountable. Uh, and that's where I see you can't do it at a federal level. You know that no matter what the president says, they can do whatever they want locally. And so they really, the legislators have to look into these policies. And I would say that some of these school districts shouldn't be even in charge of handling the budgets. There should be like outside audits or companies that can handle these budgets. So the money is spent properly. So Florida was very proactive in school safety after this happened, you know, but it took a school shooting uh, to get it done. You know, we have uh, law enforcement in every single school in the state of Florida. It's the law. So regardless of what a, a Democratic cesspool Broward County is, uh, they have to have, they can't say we're going to defund the police and remove uh, police officers from the school. Uh, it's law in Florida. They can't do it, but I'm sure they would do it. If it wasn't a law, like other states are already doing it. And if you're a parent listening, uh, don't settle for your county removing police officers from the school. And I wouldn't even, you know, send my child to a school without law enforcement or uh, or um, or a guardian where they're trained to protect our children because we just live in a crazy world. But but that's a good point. It's very important for the legislators to get together and put the laws in place that hold local school districts accountable. We have a grand jury investigation going on in, in Florida, uh, still haven't got much accountability for all the failures, but their uh, report just came out and behold, they're unreporting crimes uh, with their statistics, which everybody knows most public schools on the report to keep their crime, uh, you know, they, they want to get their A rated for this school, you know, there's no fighting, there's no bullying, there's no crimes committed, and they're under-reporting, and this was in the grand jury report, but now I want to see them hold some people accountable for falsifying records, you know, which goes mm -hmm. on probably nationwide. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're getting a little over the 30-minute mark, and we want to respect your yeah. time, Andy. Yeah, Let's do it again. it's not a problem. You know, I just got some stuff to do here in Midtown, but I really enjoy talking to both of you. Uh, you know, we can, next time uh, we can definitely do this again in another few weeks. It's not a problem. 
we could get you a demo. Uh, we're going to do a demo for you. I know what my software, but uh, we, we, let's do it again in another couple of weeks. All right. Thank you so much for giving us your time. I want to thank the audience for checking out the Educational Freedom Institute podcast. Go check out uh, schoolsafetygrant.org. I put it into the comments so that everybody could check it out. And then also uh, check out Max Eden's and Andy Pollack's book, Why Meadow Died, The People and Policies That Created the Parkland Shooter and Endangers America's Students. I also put that uh, link uh, to to the book on Amazon as well in the comments. But Thank you again, Andy, for joining us. And uh, until next time, everybody who watched, this was the. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. You can find EFI online at efinstitute.org, on Twitter at EF underscore Institute, and on Facebook at Educational Freedom Institute.